7. Saint his four sons, so that each should receive land of exactly the same area and exactly similar in shape. We are shown how this was done, but the remainder of the story is not so generally known. In the center of the estate was a well, indicated by the dark spot, and Benjamin, Charles, and David complained that the division was not equitable, since Alfred had access to this well, while they could not reach it without trespassing on somebody else's land. The puzzle is to show how the estate is to be apportioned so that each son shall have land of the same shape and area, and each have access to the well without going off his own land. 181. B3 Railway Stations. As I sat in a railway carriage I noticed at the other end of the compartment a worthy squire, whom I knew by sight, engaged in conversation with another passenger, who was evidently a friend of his. How far have you to drive to your place from the railway station? Asked the stranger. Well, replied the squire, if I get out at Appleford, it is just the same distance as if I go to Bridgefield, another 15 miles farther on, and if I changed at Appleford and went 13 miles from there to Carterton, it would still be the same distance, you see, I am equidistant from the three stations, so I get a good choice of trains, now I happen to know that Bridgefield is just 14 miles from Carterton, so I amused myself in working out the exact distance that the squire had to drive home whichever station he got out at, what was the distance, 182, the garden puzzle, Professor Rackbrain tells me that he was recently smoking a friendly pipe under a tree in the garden of a country acquaintance, the garden was enclosed by four straight walls, and his friend informed him that he had measured these and found the lengths to be 80, 45, 100, and 63 yards respectively. Then, said the professor, we can calculate the exact area of the garden. Impossible, his host replied, because you can get an infinite number of different shapes with those four sides. But you forget, Rackbrain said, with a twinkle in his eye that you told me once you had planted this tree equidistant from all the four corners of the garden. Can you work out the garden's area? 183. Drawing a spiral. If you hold the page horizontally and give it a quick rotary motion while looking at the center of the spiral, it will appear to revolve. Perhaps a good many readers are acquainted with this little optical illusion, but the puzzle is to show how I was able to draw this spiral with so much exactitude without using anything but a pair of compasses and the sheet of paper on which the diagram was made. How would you proceed in such circumstances? 184. How to draw an oval. Can you draw a perfect oval on a sheet of paper with one sweep of the compasses? It is one of the easiest things in the world when you know how. 185. St. George's Banner. At a celebration of the National Festival of St. George's Day I was contemplating the familiar banner of the patron saint of our country. We all know the Red Cross on a white ground, shown in our illustration. This is the banner of St. George. The banner of St. Andrew Scotland is a white St. Andrew's Cross on a blue ground. That of St. Patrick Ireland is a similar cross in red on a white ground. These three are united in one to form our Union Jack. Now on looking at Street George's banner it occurred to me that the following question would make a simple but pretty little puzzle. Supposing the flag measures four feet by three feet, how wide must the arm of the cross be if it is required that there shall be used just the same quantity of red and of white bunding? 186. The Clothesline Puzzle. A boy tied a clothesline from the top of each of two poles to the base of the other. He then proposed to his father the following question. As one pole was exactly seven feet above the ground and the other exactly five feet, what was the height from the ground where the two cords crossed one another? 187. 
the milkmaid puzzle. Here is a little pastoral puzzle that the reader may, at first sight, be led into supposing is very profound, involving deep calculations. He may even say that it is quite impossible to give any answer unless we are told something definite as to the distances, and yet it is really quite childlike and bland. In the corner of a field is seen a milkmaid milking a cow, and on the other side of the field is the dairy where the extract has to be deposited. But it has been noticed that the young woman always goes down to the river with her pail before returning to the dairy. Here the suspicious reader will perhaps ask why she pays these visits to the river. I can only reply that it is no business of ours. The alleged milk is entirely for local consumption. Where are you going to? My pretty maid? Down to the river, sir. She said, I'll not choose your dairy. My pretty maid? Nobody asked you, sir. She said, if one had any curiosity in the matter, such an independent spirit would entirely disarm one. So we will pass from the point of commercial morality to the subject of the puzzle. Draw a line from the milking stool down to the river and thence to the door of the dairy, which shall indicate the shortest possible route for the milkmaid. That is all. It is quite easy to indicate the exact spot on the bank of the river to which she should direct her steps if she wants as short a walk as possible. Can you find that spot? 188. The Ball Problem. A stonemason was engaged the other day in cutting out a round ball for the purpose of some architectural decoration, when a smart schoolboy came upon the scene. Look here, said the mason, you seem to be a sharp youngster, can you tell me this, if I placed this ball on the level ground, how many other balls of the same size could I lay around it also on the ground so that every ball should touch this one, the boy at once gave the correct answer, and then put this little question to the mason, if the surface of that ball contained just as many square feet as its volume contained cubic feet, what would be the length of its diameter, the stonemason could not give an answer. Could you have replied correctly to the Masons and the boys' questions? 189. The Yorkshire Estates. I was on a visit to one of the large towns of Yorkshire. While walking to the railway station on the day of my departure a man thrust a handbill upon me, and I took this into the railway carriage and read it at my leisure. It informed me that three Yorkshire neighboring estates were to be offered for sale. Each estate was square in shape, and they joined one another at their corners, just as shown in the diagram. Estate A contains exactly 370 acres, B contains 116 acres, and C 74 acres. Now, the little triangular bit of land enclosed by the three square estates was not offered for sale, and, for no reason in particular, I became curious as to the area of that piece. How many acres did it contain? 190. Farmer W.U.R.Z.L.'s estate. I will now present another land problem. The demonstration of the answer that I shall give will, I think, be found both interesting and easy of comprehension. Farmer Verzel owned the three square fields shown in the annexed plan, containing respectively 18, 20, and 26 acres. In order to get a ring fence round his property he bought the four intervening triangular fields. The puzzle is to discover what was then the whole area of his estate. 191. The Crescent Puzzle. Here is an easy geometrical puzzle. The crescent is formed by two circles, and C is the center of the larger circle. The width of the crescent between B and D is 9 inches, and between E and F 5 inches. What are the diameters of the two circles? 192. The puzzle wall. There was a small lake, around which four poor men built their cottages, four rich men afterwards built their mansions, as shown in the illustration, and they wished to have the lake to themselves. 
so they instructed a builder to put up the shortest possible wall that would exclude the cottagers, but give themselves free access to the lake. How was the wall to be built? 193. The sheep thought. It is a curious fact that the answers always given to some of the best-known puzzles that appear in every little book of fireside recreations that has been published for the last fifty or a hundred years are either quite unsatisfactory or clearly wrong, yet nobody ever seems to detect their faults. Here is an example, a farmer had a pen made of fifty hurdles, capable of holding a hundred sheep only, supposing he wanted to make it sufficiently large to hold double that number. How many additional hurdles must he have? 194. The Garden Walls. A speculative country builder has a circular field, on which he has erected four cottages, as shown in the illustration. The field is surrounded by a brick wall, and the owner undertook to put up three other brick walls, so that the neighbors should not be overlooked by each other, but the four tenants insist that there shall be no favoritism, and that each shall have exactly the same length of wall space for his wall through trees. The puzzle is to show how the three walls may be built so that each tenant shall have the same area of ground, and precisely the same length of wall. Of course, each garden must be entirely enclosed by its walls, and it must be possible to prove that each garden has exactly the same length of wall. If the puzzle is properly solved no figures are necessary. 195. Lady Bielian Garden. Lady Belinda is an enthusiastic gardener. In the illustration she is depicted in the act of worrying out a pleasant little problem which I will relate. One of her gardens is oblong in shape, enclosed by a high holly hedge, and she is turning it into a rosary for the cultivation of some of her choicest roses. She wants to devote exactly half of the area of the garden to the flowers, in one large bed, and the other half to be a path going all round it of equal breadth throughout. Such a garden is shown in the diagram at the foot of the picture. How is she to mark out the garden under these simple conditions? She has only a tape, the length of the garden, to do it with, and, as the holly hedge is so thick and dense, she must make all her measurements inside. Lady Belinda did not know the exact dimensions of the garden, and, as it was not necessary for her to know, I also give no dimensions. It is quite a simple task no matter what the size or proportions of the garden may be, yet how many lady gardeners would know just how to proceed? The tape may be quite plain that island it need not be a graduated measure. Here is a little problem that everybody should know how to solve. The goat is placed in a half-acre meadow, that is in shape an equilateral triangle. It is tethered to a post at one corner of the field. What should be the length of the tether to the nearest inch in order that the goat shall be able to eat just half the grass in the field? It is assumed that the goat can feed to the end of the tether. 197. The Compasses Puzzle. It is curious how an added condition or restriction will sometimes convert an absurdly easy puzzle into an interesting and perhaps difficult one. I remember buying in the street many years ago a little mechanical puzzle that had a tremendous sale at the time. It consisted of a metal with holes in it, and the puzzle was to work a ring with a gap in it from hole to hole until it was finally detached. As I was walking along the street I very soon acquired the trick of taking off the ring with one hand while holding the puzzle in my pocket. A friend to whom I showed the little feet set about accomplishing it himself, and when I met him some days afterwards he exhibited his proficiency in the art, but he was a little taken aback when I then took the puzzle from him and, while simply holding the metal between the finger and thumb of one hand, by a series of little shakes and jerks caused the ring, without my even touching it, to fall off upon the floor. The following little poser will probably prove a rather tough nut for a great many readers. 
simply on account of the restricted conditions, show how to find exactly the middle of any straight line by means of the compasses only. You are not allowed to use any ruler, pencil, or other article only the compasses, and no trick or dodge, such as folding the paper, will be permitted. You must simply use the compasses in the ordinary legitimate way. 198. The eight sticks. I have eight sticks, four of them being exactly half the length of the others. I lay every one of these on the table, so that they enclose three squares, all of the same size. How do I do it? There must be no loose ends hanging over. 199. Papa's Puzzle. Here is a puzzle by Papus, who lived at Alexandria about the end of the 3rd century. It is the 5th proposition in the 8th book of his mathematical collections. I give it in the form that I presented it some years ago under the title, Papa's Puzzle, just to see how many readers would discover that it was by Papus himself. The little maid's papa has taken two different sized rectangular pieces of cardboard, and has clipped off a triangular piece from one of them so that when it is suspended by a thread from the point A it hangs with the long side perfectly horizontal. As shown in the illustration, he has perplexed the child by asking her to find the point A on the other card, so as to produce a similar result when cut and suspended by a thread. Of course, the point must not be found by trial clippings. A curious and pretty point is involved in the setting of the puzzle. Can the reader discover it? 200. A Kite Flying Puzzle while accompanying my friend Professor Highflight during a scientific kite-flying competition on the South Downs of Sussex I was led into a little calculation that ought to interest my readers. The professor was paying out the wire to which his kite was attached from a winch on which it had been rolled into a perfectly spherical form. This ball of wire was just two feet in diameter, and the wire had a diameter of one hundredth of an inch. What was the length of the wire? Now... A simple little question like this that everybody can perfectly understand will puzzle many people to answer in any way. Let us see whether, without going into any profound mathematical calculations, we can get the answer roughly say, within a mile of what is correct. We will assume that when the wire is all wound up the ball is perfectly solid throughout, and that no allowance has to be made for the axle that passes through it, with that simplification. I wonder how many readers can state within even a mile of the correct answer the length of that wire. 201. How to make cisterns. Our friend in the illustration has a large sheet of zinc, measuring before cutting 8 feet by 3 feet, and he has cut out square pieces all of the same size from the four corners and now proposes to fold up the sides, solder the edges, and make a cistern. But the point that puzzles him is this. Has he cut out those square pieces of the correct size in order that the cistern may hold the greatest possible quantity of water? You see, if you cut them very small you get a very shallow cistern, if you cut them large you get a tall and slender one. It is all a question of finding a way of cutting put these four square pieces exactly the right size. How are we to avoid making them too small or too large? 202. The Cone Puzzle. I had a wooden cone, as shown in Figure 1. How am I to cut out of it the greatest possible cylinder? It will be seen that I can cut out one that is long and slender, like figure 2, or short and thick, like figure 3, but neither is the largest possible. A child could tell you where to cut, if he knew the rule. Can you find this simple rule? 203. Concerning wheels. There are some curious facts concerning the movements of wheels that are apt to perplex the novice. For example, when a railway train is traveling from London to crew certain parts of the train at any given moment are actually moving from crew towards London. Can you indicate those parts? 
It seems absurd that parts of the same train can at any time travel in opposite directions, but such is the case. In the accompanying illustration we have two wheels. The lower one is supposed to be fixed and the upper one running round it in the direction of the arrows. Now, how many times does the upper wheel turn on its own axis in making a complete revolution of the other wheel? Do not be in a hurry with your answer, or you are almost certain to be wrong. Experiment with two pennies on the table and the correct answer will surprise you. When you succeed in seeing it. 204. A new match puzzle. In the illustration 18 matches are shown arranged so that they enclose two spaces. One just twice as large as the other. Can you rearrange them one so as to enclose two four-sided spaces? One exactly three times as large as the other. And two so as to enclose two five-sided spaces. One exactly three times as large as the other. All the 18 matches must be fairly used in each case. The two spaces must be quite detached and there must be no loose ends or duplicated matches. 205. The Six Sheep Pens. Here is a new little puzzle with matches. It will be seen in the illustration that 13 matches, representing a farmer's hurdles, have been so placed that they enclose six sheep pens all of the same size. Now, one of these hurdles was stolen, and the farmer wanted still to enclose six pens of equal size with the remaining 12. How was he to do it? All the 12 matches must be fairly used and there must be no duplicated matches or loose ends, points and lines problems, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, Isot, Shvi, 10, what are known as, points and lines, puzzles are found very interesting by many people, the most familiar example, here given, to plant 9 trees so that they shall form 10 straight rows with 3 trees in every row, is attributed to Sir Isaac Newton, but the earliest collection of such puzzles is, I believe, in a rare little book that I possess published in 1821 Rational Amusement for Winter Evenings, by John Jackson, the author gives ten examples of trees planted in rows. These tree planting puzzles have always been a matter of great perplexity. They are real puzzles, in the truest sense of the word, because nobody has yet succeeded in finding a direct and certain way of solving them. They demand the exercise of sagacity, ingenuity, and patience and what we call, luck, is also sometimes of service. Perhaps someday a genius will discover the key to the whole mystery. Remember that the trees must be regarded as mere points, for if we were allowed to make our trees big enough we might easily fudge power diagrams and get in a few extra straight rows that were more apparent than real. 206. The King and the Castles. There was once, in ancient times, a powerful king, who had eccentric ideas on the subject of military architecture. He held that there was great strength and economy in symmetrical forms, and always cited the example of the bees, who construct their combs in perfect hexagonal cells, to prove that he had nature to support him. He resolved to build ten new castles in his country all to be connected by fortified walls, which should form five lines with four castles in every line. The royal architect presented his preliminary plan in the form I had shown, but the monarch won't doubt that every castle could be approached from the outside and commanded that the plan should be so modified that as many castles as possible should be free from attacks from the outside, and could only be reached by crossing the fortified walls. The architect replied that he thought it impossible so to arrange them that even one castle, which the king proposed to use as a royal residence, could be so protected, but his majesty soon enlightened him by pointing out how it might be done. How would you have built the ten castles and fortifications so as best to fulfill the king's requirements? 
remember that they must form five straight lines with four castles in every line. The illustration is a plan of a cottage as it stands surrounded by an orchard of 55 trees. Ten of these trees are cherries, ten are plums, and the remainder apples. The cherries are so planted as to form five straight lines, with four cherry trees in every line. The plum trees are also planted so as to form five straight lines with four plum trees in every line. The puzzle is to show which are the ten cherry trees and which are the ten plums, in order that the cherries and plums should have the most favorable aspect. As few as possible under the conditions are planted on the north and east sides of the orchard. Of course in picking out a group of ten trees cherry or plum, as the case may be you ignore all intervening trees, that is to say. Four trees may be in a straight line irrespective of other trees or the house being in between. After the last puzzle this will be quite easy. 208. A plantation puzzle. A man had a square plantation of 49 trees. But, as will be seen by the omissions in the illustration, four trees were blown down and removed. He now wants to cut down all the remainder except ten trees, which are to be so left that they shall form five straight rows with four trees in every row which are the ten trees that he must leave. 209. The 21 trees. A gentleman wished to plant 21 trees in his park so that they should form 12 straight rows with 5 trees in every row. Could you have supplied him with a pretty symmetrical arrangement that would satisfy these conditions? 210. The 10 coins. Place 10 pennies on a large sheet of paper or cardboard, as shown in the diagram. 5 on each edge. Now remove 4 of the coins, without disturbing the others and replace them on the paper so that the ten shall form five straight lines with four coins in every line. This in itself is not difficult, but you should try to discover in how many different ways the puzzle may be solved, assuming that in every case the two rows at starting are exactly the same. 211. The 12 mince pies. It will be seen in our illustration how 12 mince pies may be placed on the table so as to form six straight rows with four pies in every row. The puzzle is to remove only four of them to new positions so that there shall be seven straight rows with four in every row. Which four would you remove? And where would you replace them? A short time ago I received an interesting communication from the British chaplain at Maitila, Upper Burma, in which my correspondent informed me that he had found some amusement on board ship on his way out in trying to solve this little poser. If he has a plantation of 49 trees, Planted in the form of a square as shown in the accompanying illustration. He wishes to know how he may cut down 27 of the trees so that the 22 left standing shall form as many rows as possible with 4 trees in every row. Of course there may not be more than 4 trees in any row. 213. Turks and Russians. This puzzle is on the lines of the Aphrodite problem published by me in Tidbits some years ago. On an open level tract of country a party of Russian infantry no two of whom were stationed at the same spot, were suddenly surprised by 32 Turks, who opened fire on the Russians from all directions, each of the Turks simultaneously fired a bullet, and each bullet passed immediately over the heads of three Russian soldiers, as each of these bullets when fired killed a different man, the puzzle is to discover what is the smallest possible number of soldiers of which the Russian party could have consisted and what were the casualties on each side, moving counter problems, I cannot do it without counters. Winter's Tale. If. 3. Puzzles of this class. Except so far as they occur in connection with actual games. Such as chess. Seem to be a comparatively modern introduction. Mathematicians in recent times. Notably Vandermond and Rius, Have devoted some attention to them. But they do not appear to have been considered by the old writers. 
So far as games with counters are concerned, perhaps the most ancient and widely known in old times is Nine Men's Morris, known also, as I shall show, under a great many other names, unless the simpler game, distinctly mentioned in the works of Ovid number 110, Ovid's game, in the Canterbury Puzzles, from which dots and crosses seems to be derived, is still more ancient. In France the game is called Morel, in Poland Ziegenwolf Mill she goat wolf mill, or fight. In Germany and Austria it is called Balda Mill, in Iceland it goes by the name of Mila, while the Vogas or native barges of South America are said to play it, and on the Amazon it is called Trike, and held to be of Indian origin. In our own country it has different names in different districts, such as Magmary Legs, Pegmarial, Nine Pego Marial, Nine Pen Miracle, Mary Peg, and Mary Hole. Shakespeare refers to it in Midsummer Night's Dream, Act I. Scene 1, the nine men's morris is filled up with mud, and the quaint mazes in the wanton green, for lack of tread, are indistinguishable. It was played by the shepherds with stones in holes cut in the turf. John Clare, the peasant poet of Northamptonshire, in The Shepherd Boy, 1835 says, Oft we track his haunts, by nine peg morris nicked upon the green. It is also mentioned by Drayton in his Polyolbion. It was found on an old Roman tile discovered during the excavations at Silchester, and cut upon the steps of the Acropolis at Athens. When visiting the Christiania Museum a few years ago I was shown the great Viking ship that was discovered at Gokstad in 1880. On the oak planks forming the deck of the vessel were found bowls and lines marking out the game, the holes being made to receive pegs. While inspecting the ancient oak furniture in the Rijksmuseum at Amsterdam I became interested in an old catechumen's cell and was surprised to find the game diagram cut in the center of the seat quite conveniently for surreptitious play. It has been discovered cut in the choir stalls of several of our English cathedrals. In the early 80s it was found scratched upon a stone built into a wall probably about the date 1200, during the restoration of Hargrave Church in Northamptonshire. The stone is now in the Northampton Museum. A similar stone has since been found at Sempringham, Lincolnshire. It is to be seen on an ancient tombstone in the Isle of Man, and painted on old Dutch tiles, and in 1901 a stone was dug out of a gravel pit near Oswestry bearing an undoubted diagram of the game. The game has been played with different rules at different periods and places. I give a copy of the board. Sometimes the diagonal lines are omitted, but this evidently was not intended to affect the play, it simply meant that the angles alone were thought sufficient to indicate the points. This is how struck in sports and pastimes, describes the game, and it agrees with the way I played it as a boy, two persons, having each of them nine pieces, or men, lay them down alternately, one by one, upon the spots, and the business of either party is to prevent his antagonist from placing three of his pieces so as to form a row of three, without the intervention of an opponent piece, if a row be formed, he that made it is at liberty to take up one of his competitor's pieces from any part he thinks most to his advantage, excepting he has made a row, which must not be touched if he had another piece upon the board that is not a component part of that row. When all the pieces are laid down, they are played backwards and forwards, in any direction that the lines run, but only can move from one spot to another next to it at one time. He that takes off all his antagonist's pieces is the conqueror. The six educated frogs in the illustration are trained to reverse their order, so that their numbers shall read six, five, four, three, two, one, with the blank square in its present position. They can jump to the next square if vacant or leap over one frog to the next square beyond if vacant. 
just as we move in the game of draughts, and can go backwards or forwards at pleasure. Can you show how they perform their feet in the fewest possible moves? It is quite easy. So when you have done it add a seventh frog to the right and try again. Then add more frogs until you are able to give the shortest solution for any number. For it can always be done. With that single vacant square. No matter how many frogs there are. 215. The Grasshopper Puzzle. It has been suggested that this puzzle was a great favorite among the young apprentices of the City of London in the 16th and 17th centuries. Readers will have noticed the curious brass grasshopper on the Royal Exchange. This long-lived creature escaped the fires of 1666 and 1838. The grasshopper, after his kind, was the crest of Sir Thomas Gresham, merchant grocer, who died in 1579, and from this cause it has been used as a sign by grocers in general. Unfortunately for the legend as to its origin, the puzzle was only produced by myself so late as the year 1900. On 12 of the 13 black discs are placed numbered counters or grasshoppers. The puzzle is to reverse their order, so that they shall read, 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. in the opposite direction, with the vacant disc left in the same position as at present. Move one at a time in any order, either to the adjoining vacant disc or by jumping over one grasshopper. Like the moves in draughts, the moves or leaps may be made in either direction that is at any time possible. What are the fewest possible moves in which it can be done? Our six educated frogs have learned a new and pretty feat. When placed on glass tumblers, as shown in the illustration, they change sides so that the three black ones are to the left and the white frogs to the right. With the unoccupied tumbler at the opposite end number seven, they can jump to the next tumbler if unoccupied, or over one, or two frogs to an unoccupied tumbler. The jumps can be made in either direction, and a frog may jump over his own or the opposite color, or both colors. Four successive specimen jumps will make everything quite plain. 4 to 1, 5 to 4, 3 to 5, 6 to 3. Can you show how they do it in 10 jumps? 217. The in puzzle. Illustration. I am ever H-D-E-W-C-K in the illustration we have 11 discs in a circle. On five of the discs we place white counters with black letters as shown and on five other discs the black counters with white letters.